commander format is one where half the fun of deck building is incorporating your own unique sense of style or centering your card choices around a theme. However, like the rest of Magic, there are staple cards that are too good not to include and often they don't fit the aesthetic of the rest of the deck. But with thousands of cards to choose from, there may just be some flavorful alternatives to the format's most played spells. Welcome to Magic the Flavoring, the Magic the Gathering podcast. We talk about all things magic, flavor design, and lore. I'm your host, Andy Mann. Hello, this is Nathan Cancel. And today we are going to be talking about Commander Staples and their flavorful alternatives. Um, we're not going to do much of a preamble today, and we're going to try as hard as we can to cut down on the waffle as well, because we have quite a bit to get through. Um, but essentially, us being a flavor podcast, uh, we talk a lot about how a card feels and about the kind of story and lore merits that uh, surround a card. And oftentimes, when you're building a deck for the Commander format, a format which classically has space for you to flex your uh, Vorthos muscles and to flex your sort of like personal style. Sometimes a staple in the format is just too good not to include. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, but there are alternatives to these cards if mm. you want to maybe play at a slightly more casual level or maybe if you want to just kind of prove all the haters wrong. Um, we've got some alternatives for, for some commander staples. Mm. Um, Nath, you've cultivated this list. I have. Um, oh, good pun. Well done. <laughs> there we go, because that will be one of them. We, yeah. we, did, we didn't plan that. Um, <laughs> and, and even if we did, it's too bad for us to admit to it. So exactly. Um, so, so we haven't done uh, every staple in the format because we don't have 15 hours worth of video time. Good God, yeah. um, but we've just picked a few, or rather, Nathan, you've picked a few that have stood out to you, and we're going to go through some of the uh, some of the best alternatives to mm. these cards. Is that right? Yeah, well, the way I looked at it is I looked at kind of the... Um, so what I'm going by is the fantastic source of, of the font of knowledge that is EGH Rec. Um, and I've basically looks like the top 30 um cards that are in decks over the last two years obviously the database could have gone further back than this but realistically all the people uh, making the glut of decks that we have being made at the moment uh, the past two years is a pretty good frame of reference um obviously within that 30 there are some things like you know mana rocks like signix for example that take up half of the bloody list yeah um, so thankfully it isn't 30 cards we're going to be rattling through today but it is also interesting to see like the things that kind of the cards that people figure aren't things you can get away or get around the kind of cards that di dictate themselves to be cards that have to be in your deck and whether or not that that view can be adjusted to a little bit sometimes it can't um, and we'll be able to talk a little bit about that as well today so yeah it's basically a little breakdown of the top 30 if we get there we'll, we'll see how long we get through. well yeah exactly i mean these kinds of episodes we can do plenty of in the future so if we don't say a card that mm. you are interested in seeing alternatives today um we'll be doing it in a future episode because i think this is the kind of thing Please we can do again and again way more interesting past the top 30 um, we're going to see some very fairly generic um styles of cards in this episode whereas if you look into like say outside the top 13 to like the top 50 top 100 there are some really weird quirky cards that you can actually look at to have even strange alternatives that might be really old or just from even sometimes like um new sets um alternatives that are a little bit worse can slip under because they're not super super cool and interesting but at the same time they still serve a role and a function um that might not have been picked up the first time we see it so, yeah. yeah, exactly. So what we're going to do for this episode as well, guys, is even though we're primarily an audio podcast, we have been experimenting with our YouTube channel. This episode will go up as a YouTube video because these kinds of things are usually best with some visual, uh, visuals so you can see the card. Um, and what I'll attempt to do as well is put a timestamp in the uh, comments uh, description box where you can skip to certain cards as we go through them. But for now, sit back, relax. We'll go through some flavorful alternatives to those commander staples. Mm. Uh, Nathan, take it away. Well, we start with... Uh... 
um, we kind of already start with something that's going to screw over the whole paradigm of, of this. And it's, um, the top card, unsurprisingly, is Sol Ring. Um, sure, yes. Um, and Sol Ring is kind of a difficult one to get right because you know what? you're not really playing it for flavor um, in any way, shape or form. I mean, and re- realistically, in terms of like functionality, um, there aren't really a lot of alternatives that are like, say, um, that, that have analogs, you know. Um, one thing I did look at is uh, things like, um, instead of playing Sol Ring, um, things like exploration or burgeoning, like the kind of cards that, you know, scale really really well with mana kind of early but the one that i kind of thought it was the only one that i found that was really good that was really low mana because that's the only thing i could think of in terms of like flavor if you want that turn one play that actually gives you a bit a bit of a a bit of a kick um is paradise mantle Um, oh for sure yeah paradise mantle is really interesting it's a zero mana equipment um and it has an equipped cost of one and it gives the equipped creature the um ability from birds of paradise which is it can tap to add one mana of any color to your mana pool um, the reason I list this down as an early mana accelerant is because if you're playing like a one mana or a two mana commander, um, is it, I mean, yeah, the kind of little bit of chip damage you get in initially off of like, you know, a first hit off of Karlov or something is fine, fine and dandy, but um, a Paradise Mantle can give you a little bit of a skip up and it can kind of allow you to use your commander if it's a low commander a bit more efficiently. Like um, a lot of the times I use Ailey, I find that can, as much as he is a good blocker, like a 2-3 Death Touch is a pretty good blocker, um, it'd be nice to have some bit more utility in the early turns if you have a, two, a true drop and getting it out early. Um Apart from that, unfortunately, Sovereign, as I said, doesn't have a lot of analogs. Um, sure, but I think something like Paradise Mantle, where if you're looking to build a deck which doesn't just focus around artifacts, but is around mm-hmm. uh, equipment specifically, or even the artwork, if you're looking for something where all the cards have a Mirrodin feel, or mm-hmm. all the cards have multicolor in the artwork, then this is something which you can definitely put in place of those more traditional mana rocks. Because mm-hmm. um, it, it, it fills a very different slot whilst also providing you mana acceleration. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, good alternative. It's also really good with... Um... Uh, Amara, the Amara that um, when she, whenever she becomes um, untapped, you get a one-one. So because you get, I know that you might want to use Soul Ring because you want to get your vehicles out and vehicles are colourless. But uh, Paradise Mantle also gets her tapping very comfortably and very easily. So that's um, that's a that's a auto auto one for me. Uh, as I say, beyond that, Soul Ring doesn't have a lot to say. There's not much flavour to it. We can ignore that and move on to something slightly more interesting. Um, the number two slot um, is taken up by Swords to Plowshares. Um, interestingly enough, Path to Exile is thirtieth on the list. Rather, um, mm. which is a big, vast difference. I do understand there is obviously a massive uh, difference between life and mana in Commander. Like, no one really cares if you're on 40 or 50, but they do care if you're on two or three lands by turn two or three. So I do I do, I do, do understand why Path slips down a little bit lower. Um, saying that, just because Swords is in one mana really ridiculously efficient, probably the most efficient removal spell in the game, um, that doesn't mean there aren't some other cards that kind of do a similar kind of thing. Um, I've looked at a couple of like reactory spells, things like Condemn or Reciprocate, um, Reciprocate's a really interesting one because uh, um, it is a one mana um, instant in white exile target creature that dealt damage to you this turn. Um, it's got flavor text from eight and a half tails. You don't really see a lot of flavor text from him. Um, and it was released in, I think it was the Elspeth versus Venter or something like that. It was in one of the dual decks. Um, so there is a newer artwork for it. But um, the fact it doesn't say combat damage is really interesting. Um, so if you've got, say, one of these um, commanders that pings you, say, like Judith or something like that, then this can get it quite comfortably. And it's not a card I've actually seen in many decks whatsoever. Um, and it's a bit of a nicer version. Like, you don't have to give life off. You're not giving any payoff to them. The only thing is you need to get hit. And if anything, that's a bit more as a retribution. I mean, the card is called Reciprocate. So it does feel a little bit more um, a little bit more in, weight, in white's colour pie. Well, if you hit me, I'm going to fuck you. So <laughs> just, just stop it. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, I think a lot of these spells, which are instant speed removal or have some kind of caveat on them, they they don't. If they're not as good as Swords to Plowshares, people kind of gloss over them. But Swords to Plowshares has such a 
specific flavor where you're basically getting rid of a creature because the artwork suggests it's it's you know turning to a peaceful way or this that and the other whereas things like condemn if you're playing like an angel's deck or mm. if you're playing a commander which comes from say like Orzhov color pie then something like condemn fits in a lot nicer into the theme and the kind of uh, ideology of your deck than swords to plowshares does mm. you know these reactionary things are punishing Devourer Light is a similar thing. One white white for an instant. Um, exile target attacking or blocking creature. Doesn't have to be attacking you. Um, and, but it's got Convoke. So if you have um, if you want to sit back, if you've got a load of Vigilance creatures, things like that, this can essentially be free. Um, and that's a big thing. I mean, a three mana does look like quite a lot. But it does, as I say, it doesn't need to be attacking you. It doesn't need to be a creature that's blocking one of your creatures. Um, as long as the creature is attacking or blocking, you can tap your creatures to make a nice free exile effect. And obviously exile is quite important here because that's what makes swords and paths so um, important is that you could do destroy effects and that's fine. Um, but within the context of the game, obviously exiling is quite important. So that's a hard thing to kind of get away from. But as I say, this devouring light thing as well, even your shadow is too foul to tolerate. Um, it's a really nice artwork. It's got a beam of light coming down from Abyssin's staff at a demon's face. Um, feels very righteous. Another one that I really like, um, especially with Luris coming out recently, is Soul Snare. Um, now, Soul Snare kind of sits in the same reactionary space as Condemn and Reciprocate does. It's a, a one mana enchantment. Um, and for one mana, you sacrifice it to exile target creature that's attacking you or a planeswalker you control. Um, now, this is similar in concept to Condemn, but the thing that makes it a bit more interesting is it sits in play and it's almost like a um, it, it wards you off. You know, it's not it's not it's not like you're giving a warning going that like, if you attack me, I'm going to do this um, like with Condemn or say, sorry, it gives you the opportunity to give a warning, you know, to make a deal, to be a bit more political. Um, and especially if there's a way to recur it with something like Lurus and th- or something like that, it does make it quite potent and make it so people don't really want to come at you as much. Um, sure. What I really like about these white alternatives, which are maybe a little bit more reactionary and a bit more of a political thing than source plowshares, is sure you can use something at instant speed politically because you can just tell people you have an instant speed answer and they can back off. But if you're playing something like Arcades uh, Sabbath, you're playing like the Walls deck, mm-hmm. or if you're playing something like Queen Marchesa, when people play her in a very sort of a enchantmenty uh, pillow fort type of way, if you can have these threats which uh, sit on the battlefield and kind of give your opponents a big flair that you don't want to be attacked and you can make these deals Mm. so i think yeah if you're playing at something that you want to have maybe a bit more political leverage or maybe if you're playing gods which need the devotion cost something that's maybe a bit more permanent is going to work out a lot better for you yeah so another one um plays in the same idea um of like um give or give give and take um is ablation um, now this is one that's um, I, I think it's even more interesting than say like your exile effects. Um, it's two and a white for for a white instant. The owner of target non-land permanent shuffles it into their library, then draws two cards. Now I know drawing two cards is quite a lot to give the opponent, but sh- um, t- the tuck ability, this idea of putting a card into someone's library, is I mean it might actually not be as, as good as exile, but, but there are cards that do return things from exile. Whereas getting something out of your library is a bit more difficult. You know, it requires a bit more of a um, of, of a hoop to jump through and back when you had commander tuck rule not in effect this was um this was obnoxious um but the fact that the other thing you can do is because it's modal is why i like this card because it's not only um, a spell a, a reactionary spell if you need to get rid of something really desperately um and you're also giving them a bit of a payoff back so it doesn't hurt as much but you can also use it defensively if someone's just coming after one of your um one of your spell and um, one of your uh, permanents or your, even your commander you can um you know shuffle it a bit that bounce the uh, bounce it back into protecting, get two cards out of it. So that modal effect on ablation is really good as well. The fact you can keep um, this white thing of going, well, I don't have to do the horrible thing, you know. Like swords of plowshares, you're rarely going to do on your own creature unless you really need the life 
which yeah okay it's a nice techers ability and everything but realistically you want to be using your one mana removals on your opponent's spells i don't know i've been using things like path to exile and source plowshares and something like a like a feather path deck. is very different path to exile is a whole different kettle of fish a land and life is very different i've pathed my own stuff a lot yeah sometimes you're that desperate for a land that's fine um, but yeah, I think this is nice. The fact you get this little payoff. Um, it's another card that's quite old. The only reason I knew of it is because it came in the Nahiri um, pre-con deck. The only other one I've got to say in terms of um, white removal spells that kind of sit in a similar vein to Swords of Power Chess is Dispatch. Um, now, if you're playing an artifact heavy deck and you're in white, you should be playing this card. Um, it's the same effect. Um, so it's a, a white um, for tap target creature. Um, but if you control three artifacts, if you have Metalcraft, it gets exiled instead. Um, so I've got this in my Brea deck. Um, okay, yes, it might not always do what you need it to do. Um, at least it can tap something down if you don't happen to have enough um, metal craft, and it can be responded to. But um, I do think that if, you know, for flavor wise, if you if you don't have uh, the money to to get swords or whatever, like dispatch is dirt cheap, um, and it fits the theme a bit nicer. You know, I feel like if you are working hard for your your one mana removal spells, I mean, you're already getting a discount on the cost, so working a bit hard for them seems fair. I think that's fair as well. And I think the whole point of us doing this list as well is that none of these are going to be the most efficient compared to the most efficient staples, because Mm. that's why these things are staples. However, as we all know, being players of this format, you are sometimes so sick of seeing the same card again and again and again. Mm. And actually, you as the player, as well as you being the opponent, get a lot more enjoyment out of having effects or having cards that you don't usually see. So I can't count the amount of times that my stuff's been plowed or or been you know path to exiled away but if somebody came at me with an oblation or a dispatch i think i'd be a lot more you know intrigued and like interested in what they were doing um and it would certainly be something that i hadn't seen i might even look at that for my own decks you know this is the thing is the idea yeah i mean the only thing you've really got is opportunity cost for things like soul ring the opportunity cost isn't that great yeah you can have that one hand out of however many that that you get you know in in your 50th game and you go absolutely nuts and you get knocked out first so was it worth it um but then you've also yeah like i mean obviously efficiency and coverage are really important for these spells which is why they are so popular but you can sacrifice a little bit of power to have something that suits your deck style a little bit better and also sometimes in a niche circumstance is actually better um, these aren't, you know, nothing is strictly better in a vacuum outside of exceptionally small cases. Um, so there's always, you know, say, wiggle room and, and removal is a, an easy one. Like, you know, you know, you're going to have to have removal. Yeah, you probably want the cheap stuff. But I mean, realistically, spending three mana to get rid of the most important thing on the board is just as good as having one unless, you know, you're being really tight on your curve, which typically goes towards the more CDH side of things anyway. So, um, but yeah, that's all of the uh, sorts of power shares, uh, alternatives I, I could find that seems, there are a few others, but I mean, they're really like niche things, that, you know, like give your opponent three threes or angels and stuff, which um, seems a lot worse than the other options. For sure. All right. What's up next? Well, the, the next one's a bit more similar to Soul Ring. We've got Cultivate. Um, this is third. Kadama's Reach is ninth. Farseek is 19th and Rampant Growth is 20th. So these are all. Why like... do you think that Cultivate is third, but Kadama's um, Reach is ninth? Kadama's Reach was harder to get hold of um, and is more expensive. Cultivate has been reprinted a few more times than Kadama's Reach. It's about twice as expensive as Kadama's Reach. Um, That's interesting, seeing as they literally are worth the same. Worth the same well, card. yeah, exactly. Obviously, the arcane side of it really does not matter with a card like that. Although there is some interesting things you can do with Zarda and splicing onto arcane with a Kadama's Reach to get really tricksy. I suppose but, we could do we could do like twenty minutes alone on whether or not you pick Cultivate or Kadama's well, Reach. Well, yeah, for deck. <laughs> and this is like the same thing with like Farseek or Rampant Growth. Obviously, Rampant Growth can get you a forest, whereas Farseek can't. So there is an automatic thing 
of well maybe sometimes rampant growth could be better but i mean these are you know like your typical four ones everybody goes for um you can then move into looking at things like you know explosive vegetation and rangers path ones that get you two lands for four mana but we're not we're not going to look at those we're going to look at things that are a little bit more interesting that um we're going to look at some um that are going to be like beanstalk giant for a nice new one and the reason i put this in is because modal spells are really really powerful um, and the ability in decks that like Primal Surge um, or all creature decks, um, you know, that you don't want, if you are for some whatever reason, you are going to be super niche and you want to do your own like deck limitation. And um, this is a creature that functions basically as a rampant growth um, and then also has the ability to do something big in the late game. The problem with things like Cultivate, um, especially things like Farseek and Rampant Growth is on turn 11, it's not the best thing in the world. Um, whereas Beanstalk Giant, not only... Is he already a seven drop? Um, sorry, I actually don't say what he does. He's a six and a green for an XX. Um, and the X is um, power and toughness equal to the number of lands you, can, you control. And then you can, for fertile footsteps, two and a green, um, put him on an adventure as a sorcery to search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield, and then shuffle your library. Um, interestingly, this obviously isn't tapped either. So you do, it is technically like a two mana if you use the mana that turn as well. So I think that's a nice alternative if you don't care about the second lands, because sometimes the extra land in hand isn't what you want. Um, a cultivate might not necessarily uh, be ramping you as efficiently. Um, as it what I really like about these adventure cards, especially things like Beanstalk Giant, and there's a Realm Cloak Giant is a white board wipe kind of version of this as well, mm. is that if you're playing, say if you're doing an Eldraine themed deck, or even something like Giant Tribal, you really want these cards instead of things like Cultivating Kadama's Reach yeah. if you're going for full flavor. Mm. And your deck will still function. This is the thing. People people are kind of worried when it comes to Commander Staples that if they don't put in their Cultivates, if they don't put in their Sol Rings or their Swords to Plowshares, then the deck won't function. And that is simply not true. Like, okay, it won't function up against someone who's tuning their decks to be the kind of 7 and 8 eights out of 10. But your decks will still play cards and play spells. And again, you'll have just as much fun, if not more fun, doing so because you're leaning into your flavor. So yeah, Beanstalk mm -hmm. Giant is is one that I must admit I haven't really looked at before because none of my decks flavorfully want it. But the day that comes that I'm playing that Giant Tribal or that maybe that like Arthurian Le uh, Legend Tribal mm. or like British Isles Mythology Tribal, which I'll drain kind of lean into. Mm. Beanstalk like Giant a Naya a deck dunk. or something like that, you know, where you need to get yeah. your colors out. Yeah, it's really nice. It's a good card. Yeah, Slam Dunk. All right. Yeah. So in the same similar vein, we're looking at we're going to look at some cards that aren't necessarily as efficient um, per se, but could be much more efficient in the right deck. Uh, the first one's Far Wanderings, two and a green for a sorcery. Search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield tap, then shuffle your library. If you have thresholds, so if you've got seven or more cards in your graveyard, instead search your library for three basic land cards and put them onto the battlefield tap, then shuffle your library. So yes, okay, the, the, the floor is that you only get one land for three mana, but if you are a graveyard deck, um, you don't mind waiting a little bit of time. If you have means um, to get a lot of cards into your graveyard early, you know, using things like, say, to Wayfinder or uh, Mulch or stuff like that, you know, I've got a Meron deck. Um, I, I usually have a few cards in there by turn three or four. Um, yeah, three lands for three mana is pretty darn good. Cool. Uh, the next one, Primal Growth, sim similar idea, plays towards graveyard decks, two and a green for a sorcery, search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield. However, it's got a kicker. Um, if the kicker is if you sacrifice a creature as you cast it, you search your library for two basic land cards, put them onto the battlefield. Um, this isn't putting them into play tapped. Um, so if you do happen to have a, a creature deck that you want to be sacrificing your creatures um, for effects, whether it's aristocrats or if you are playing, as I say, like, again, like a Meron deck or something like that, then yeah, this is amazing. Not only do you get the trigger off the sacrifice creature, but the two lands come in and they come into play untapped as well. 
Absolutely. There are kicker decks out there as well, which, exactly. will, which will help people. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, there's lots of decks that can use these to, to, to greater effect than, say, a Cultivate or a... And, and especially, like, say, late game. Um, late game Primal Growth still gives you at least a trigger off the Sacrifice Creature, um, which might not be the most thing, but at least it's something slightly better than two lands when you really don't need them. Um, another one that I think is really interesting that people... I really don't see played that much. Um, I have a Tasker deck, so I, I see it a, a lot because I play the Tasker deck a lot. But it's um, Realms Uncharted. This is two and a green. Um, it's an instant... Um, you search your library for four land cards with different names, reveal them, and an opponent uh, chooses two of those cards, those two cards put into the graveyard, and you get the other two. So it's basically fact or fiction, um, Sylvan Tutor kind of thing. So, yeah. Which is, I think, the instant speed is really important. The fact you can do it at the, um, at the um, end set before it comes to your turn means you can make the most of the lands that you do get. Um, if you're playing like something like Lord Wingrace um, or something like that, where you, re- you really want lands in your graveyard anyway, this is essentially three mana go and search for four lands. Um, they can, as I say, any lands, they have to be four different um, types. So you can't go and get like, you know, four islands if, if you're really hurting for blue for some reason. Um, but it does allow you to get your setups for things like Thespian Stage, Dark Depths. It allows you to get um, a lot a lot of different, it, gets, it allows you to get any utility land you want. You know, if you happen to be really lucky and play a Gaia's Cradle, kudos to you. You can go and get this, but I'm pretty sure that one's going into your graveyard. Also, the, the, I, love, I love this card because it's got um, an elf um, sat on, look, overlooking a map. Um, the uh, artwork's by Vulcan, Vulcan Barga, um, and I really like this artwork. Um, well, I was going to say, if you're playing hard elf ball, if you want to do everything mm-hmm. is elf, 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 this is the perfect card yeah. for you. This is the one to go for. Yeah, because it can get you a Wildwood Lodge as well. So it's not you're not even doing it just for the kicks, you're doing it because it is getting you powerful cards. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, really, exactly. Really perfect. Um, yeah. I also I came so close, Andy, to finding a Homelands card that was worth playing. Oh, um, sure. It's called Renewal. It's two and a green for a sorcery. Um, and you... Search a library for a basic land card, um, and then you draw a card. At the, um, sorry, search a library for a basic land, put it into play, um, and then you draw a card at the beginning of the next um, upkeep. So I was like, oh, so Rampant Growth must draw a card. Did I miss the tiny little bit at the top that says you have to sacrifice a land to do so? Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> Unlucky homelands, you tried. <laughs> well, you could uh, you could put this in a deck where every card you play has to have you sacrifice permanent or has yeah. some drawback. People do do those like uh, troll decks or griefer decks for mm. themselves. So it's kind of like like group slug decks, right? Where mm. everyone kind of has to ha- has to take some kind of damage. But this one's just for you. I know that there are people out there that build those kinds of decks on mm. for a laugh. And this is yeah, this is a perfect for one for them. There's also an interesting thing to say here that it's got a lady in the artwork who's looking right. So if anyone ever makes the ladies looking right deck, then this is the perfect. <laughs> ramp for you they also they're also a redhead as well so they are exactly yeah Yeah, Yeah. there we go i did also want to mention quickly gift of estates because it's kind of a white version of uh cultivate ish Um, one and a white for a sorcery if an opponent controls uh, more lands than you search your library for up to three planes cards reveal them put them into your hand and shuffle your library similar to land tax this isn't going to ramp you but similar to land tax it doesn't i'm sorry um, unlike land tax it doesn't say basics you can get um, multiple different colors with this Um, again quite cheap it's only been reprinted in commander sets it's quite an old card if you didn't know about it two mana gift of estates white white ramp ish i know right that's the thing that got me i was like well turn two you can't really do wrong to set up your turns up to turn five turn six so very good especially if you are struggling in that white deck and you want to stay and you still want your ramp in it you don't want to sacrifice um you know all of the little thing nice things that all the other colors have this is an option that you have um nice 
Right, cool. That's it. That's, that's that's it for cultivate and uh, and all of the other rampiness. See how many how many more ramp cards there are than cultivate. I know. I didn't, that's not even all the ones that I found. I know. I know. All of them, like very few of them, are like uh, permanent based either. They're all you know instants and sorceries. Yeah, cool. that's what I tried to make sure. And I also wanted them not to sacrifice too much for power because obviously you don't want it just to be officially just a worse card. Um, but you know, there's only so much you can do. Uh, speaking of which, in terms of efficiency, um, we've, at number four uh, we've got counter spell. Okay. Actual right. actual counter spell. Well, see now this is an interesting one because there's no shortage of blue counter spells, right? Mm, so so a... what before you jump into what your specs are, what what kind of did you look at to get alternatives, <laughs> so, flavorful alternatives to this card? So the idea the whole point of me going into this uh, process was as I said to try and sacrifice as little power as possible to to be something that was more tailored to your deck. I say if it can be better than counter spell, a lot of cards won't be unless it's specific circumstances. So I found the ones where those circumstances are more likely. Um, otherwise I found ones that do something that's above and beyond what Counterspell does. So the cost difference isn't that much. You're not, again, the opportunity cost isn't too much. Like, yes, Counterspell is two mana. Fantastic. But sometimes you don't have two islands. So it's not even that great sometimes, you know? Mm. So, I mean, this is coming from someone who does play efficient Counterspells. Now I always get annoyed because I have a playset just sit here, sitting here and I'm like, well, I, I could play any of these other versions. And, and thankfully the, I've only used one of the four of them because I have tried to be a bit more, um, you know, interesting and creative in my deck building but um yeah let's have a look see because there are a few different ways you can go with counter spells um to kind of flex into your play style um, i will tell one... you i have two that i'll add in as well but really? i'll do so very, okay, quick. I'll have, I'll do so very quickly at the end but yeah no you go you go all right so the first one and i like this one a lot um admiral's orders i'm oh, sorry admiral's oh yeah order. um yeah one blue blue um counter target spell so it's essentially cancel but it's got raid um, if you attack with a creature this turn you may pay blue rather than pay the spell's mana cost um so it's a single mana no, 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 no bars restricted counter spell for one mana. The thing I like about this is it's not your normal. So the flavor behind counter spell is very much, uh, 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 I'm a douchebag. Didn't, we've even got a card called didn't say fucking please, Andy. I mean, it's not didn't say fucking please. That wouldn't be allowed to be printed. <laughs> uh, but it, it didn't say please. Like, I mean, come on, can you get any more obnoxious? And counter spell does this. It, it, it encapsulates this idea of no. Okay, I'm better than you. Whereas this version of blue is, it's not, it's not a, a rebuttal. It's not, you know, I'm better than thou. It's the fact that, her, the the, gun, the gumption that they have. Damn the cannons, mates! Charge! That's literally the flavor text to the uh, to the card. And the fact they have this idea, they're so indignant in, and they're so they're so they're so fervent um, that yeah, you can pay you know two less mana to counter whatever the hell the opponent's doing. It doesn't matter. Sure. So I mean, this is a slam dunk. Admiral's order in pirate decks because there are pirate commanders. I mean, Admiral Beckett Brass is the pirate commander, and Beckett Brass is on this card. Up, I think it's example. her saying it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So this is a slam dunk in pirate decks. Anything that has any kind of like nautical or seafaring theme is going to want to use this as well. Um, little tidbit on Admiral Beckett Brass. This Admiral's Order is uh, the artworks by Slovamir, uh, Slovamir Maniac. But the actual legendary creature card is Jason Rainville. And Jason Rainville based the appearance of Beckett Brass off his own mother. So oh, nice. Little tidbit for you there. Oh, I like that. Um, I like when yeah. artists drop in real life into, into magic. Yeah. Um, Right, so the next one, again, we're going to stick with these one-mana counter spells. I know you might say it's impossible, but oh my god, we can, we're doing it. Um, Abjure. <laughs> um, one, um, a singular blue. Um, it's counter-target spell, but at the additional cost, you have to sacrifice a blue permanent. 
Um, the reason I put this in um, is not only does it have really cool, interesting flavor text, the flavor text kind of hints to the uh, Weatherlight uh, saga. Um, I'm mm-hmm. not going to read it out because it's quite long and it, it kind of basically talks about a very specific event. Um, but if you are playing an old school deck, um, you're realistically probably going to be playing a lot of different colors anyway. And the fact that this hints to like a big part of like the lore, um, it basically features Miriana Urtai um, in the card yeah. together. Artwork's really cool. Uh, Ted Ted Nafer. Like, there's a lot of cards that we're going to be looking at that don't have artists that we see a lot these days because we're looking at artists, you know, that used to be in the old circulation uh, but really nice artwork kind of old school but still has enough realism to it um, the reason i put this in because I, I again i do a lot of this based on kind of my own perspective so i've got a nice range of decks so at least i kind of know the different types of deck that might want these kind of cards in and i play a brea deck now brea makes blue tokens and the ability to be able to sacrifice a thopter and play one mana to counter any spell is very good if you're playing wizard tribal if you're playing blue token tribal in any way shape or form this is really strong and I've not seen this. Again, there are a lot of these cards I put up, I put up because I just haven't seen them before. I mean, it's really interesting because, you know, I'm not expecting us to drive the prices of them up or anything. But I mean, it'd be nice sure. to see them to have some more exposure. Um, and it's an interesting thing because it also, um, the sacrifice is part of the cost. Um, so if for whatever reason you needed to, say, get your a blue spell, in, a blue permanent into your graveyard or whatever, it has that little kind of aspect to it as well. We're going to look at that again um, in a second. And this idea of being able to do things with your counter spells just beyond countering a spell. But yeah, this idea, sure. it's really nice. Uh, the uh, the type the type line as well uh, describes it as an interrupt rather yes. than instant yeah. as well. So if you're playing old school magic border or old school uh, like text and wording, like anything before errata, I know there's plenty of people out there that do old school border magic. Mm. Um, this is a perfect one for you. Yeah. Along that... with presumably original counter spell. Yeah, <laughs> I imagine like it, they were able to make it this strong because interrupts were only able to be played in response to like an instant. So it's sure. So there's this is kind of back and forth of where now because all interrupts are instance a few of them kind of got a bit stronger um some cards just don't work you know <laughs> you know that's how magic's that's just how magic works um right we've got another one man account spell andy if you can believe it um this is circular logic um, and i know what you might tell me oh that's two and a blue for an instant counter target spell unless its controller pays one for each card in your graveyard true yes but it's also got madness for a singular. Oh, all right. Ooh, so, you, you, tri- you tricksy uh, little minx with I your do. madness. I know, right? <laughs> so the thing I like about this is there is no, there's an inundation of um, instant uh, discard effects um, in magic. Obviously not just in blue, even though you would have to be in blue to have this, but the ability to be able to discard a card, um, you know, the, the, the amount of, you know, looter effects um, or rummage effects and that kind of thing. Um, and the fact that it's counter target spell, unless you've got, uh, you pay one for each card in your graveyard, if it's to a graveyard strategies, realistically, a mana leak is pretty it's still pretty strong at one mana um, and it's probably going to be way more than that it's probably going to be them demanding them to pay six seven eight or whatever you're going to be playing this late you know you need a little bit of setup no it's not turn two you can play it out but also how, how often are you playing counter spell on turn two you know i mean so rarely you know um but yeah one mana and also people won't see it coming it's that whole little thing of um what could they possibly have for one mana and you not you not only get it but you discard it as well like you're discarding it you get the effect and you counter it for one mana oh the rubbins oh that's beautiful now that's the side of douchery of, of counter spells that i can lean into of where you really have to kind of make it work to get the full effect out of it um mm. so yeah really nice really good option um so kind of as, as we talked about abja and this idea of sacrificing things um familiar's ruse is a really interesting card it's blue blue for an instant um, as an additional cost to play it, return a creature you control to its owner's hand, counter target spell. Now, sure. this typically would be a um, like a, a disadvantage, you know? Um, and even though it was out of Lawwin originally, in a set where you had fairies and merfolk that did things, well, fairies especially, that did a lot of things when they came into play, um, it's probably a, a, almost like an added bonus. Uh, but either way I look at this is, because it's an additional cost to, pl- to play the card, if someone's targeting your, your thing, 
you know, whatever it is, with a, especially a creature or whatever, with a removal spell, you can return it before they even get a chance to have a counter back in, in, in turn again. You can cast this as a counter spell to counter the spell, but you're also returning the creature. So even if they've got a counter for your counter spell, the creature's already gone before the counter war can even start. Mm-hmm. And it's a nice cheeky way to almost get it out and kind of play the counter spell rules a little bit, you know, interestingly. But the fact it's the fact you can do this, and there's another one as well. Um, um, oh, deprive where you return a land instead, um, which is obviously significantly worse. But if you're playing a landfall deck, it's a lot better. Artworks amazing, really, really cool artwork. It's got a little um, like a mana bubble that's exploded like paint. Um, it's coated the elf in paint. Um, it's originally from um, Rise of Eldrazi. Really cool cards. Um, mm. also, there's also a disappearing actor that does a similar thing for three mana return a return a permanent. So th- these ideas of where you can kind of um, use your counter spell not only as a counter spell but as a means of resetting a creature or resetting a land or even bouncing that permanent before they get a chance to respond. It's a, it's a, it's, um, it's way more interesting than counter target spellers. Sure. Yeah. As as far as Familiar's Ruse goes as well, uh, any Merfolk deck will want to be playing this because the Eric Fortune art for Familiar's Ruse has a Lorwyn uh, Merfolk on the card art. Mm. Um, and also any decks which have like Enter the Battlefield Tribal. Exactly, yeah. Blink decks, thing. yeah. things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, really cool flavor text on it as well. Um, it's basically the idea is that fairies can, if you blow magic through fairies, it can kind of kaleidoscope the effect of them which i think is a really interesting well man lorwyn had such whimsy um okay right so we, we, we're done with like cheap the cheapy kind of counter spells the ones that can kind of do something cheap um cheaply but you can kind of work around the way to get there um now we're gonna look at devious cover-up um now this is a bit more recent um this is from uh, guilds of ravnica uh, two blue blue counter target spell if that spell was countered this way exile it instead of putting it into its owner's graveyard you may shuffle up to four target cards from your graveyard into your library now not only is this a lovely bit of dimmer flavor, which I know you like and I like as well, mm-hmm. and a lot of people out there like it because dimmer flavor is gorgeous. Um, this is the first instance that we've seen of um, if the spell is countered this way, exile it instead. One of the big downsides to um, to counter spell from like a mechanical point of view is that the graveyard isn't that difficult to get things back from, um, and a lot of the cards we see like dissipate and things like that these days will have um, the exile clause um, included of where instead of going to the graveyard, it's exile. So there's no shenanigans, no recursion you can get away with. The thing about Devious Cover-Up that's really interesting is, yes, it's twice the cost, but you get to shuffle up four cards from your graveyard into your deck again. Now, for, for decks that like to tutor or like to use, um, you know, like um, recursion out of the graveyard or want to reset or want to go really long, you know, there's loads of different things that this can this can get back into your deck. Um, yeah, really, really cool. It's essentially a redraw of four, of four cards or a way to get cards that you want to protect back into your deck because um, again the graveyard isn't that difficult to interact with if your opponent's going to be getting rid of your key spells by exiling them devious cover-ups a really good way to protect them back into your deck again this subterfuge mm-hmm. aspect of you don't get your thing and you don't even get to get my things like i like that a lot yeah for sure very cool yeah and the flavor text first dispose of the evidence then dispose of your knowledge of its disposal very nice <laughs> yeah if you're playing anything like a, a lazav deck or maybe like an atrata the silence deck very cool very cool flavor indeed mm. um then the last two i've got for um counter spells are kind of dependent on your deck um these aren't necessarily less uh, flavory they're more mechanically tied tied to you, like your theme if you're playing a commander that's particularly expensive um something like dispersal shields one and a blue counter target spell if it's converted mana cost is less or equal to the highest converted mana cost among permanents you control. So if you happen to have like you know a god deck, for example, like you, you know a, a deck that's not going to have um, a, a, an indestructible thing in play or whatever, like this is a really good way to protect it. Um, it's an easier cost as well. You know you're not having to go blue blue. It's just one and a blue. Um, it doesn't have to be your commander necessarily, but it does work better with if your commander is more expensive, which typically you want ways to protect them. 
um, expensive commanders don't come back very often if they keep getting killed. Um, so yeah, that's a nice option. Also, Not of This World. Not of This World is a fantastic instant. It's a colourless, seven-mana tribal instant Eldrazi card. Um, Counter-target spell or ability, the target's a permanent you control, and it costs seven less mana, which will make it free uh, if it targets a creature that you control with power seven or greater. If, again, you're playing a deck like Maelstrom Wonder or something like that, something that has a big, like a big old butt, uh, well, not big butt, but a big um, big old front, and then, yeah, this is a nice free way to protect it. Um, the fact it's a tribal incident as well, you don't get these very often. I think I've mentioned this before. I really like Not of This World. Amazing artwork by Izzy. Um, I think I gush about Not of This World for a long time. The palette and everything is beautiful. But if, yeah, you are playing, sure. if you are playing a deck where you have um, creatures in play that are typically really, really, really big, this is a nice free way to protect them um, that people might not necessarily see coming. Yeah. Um, my two that I'm just going to drop in for Counterspell, one of them is Stoic Rebuttal. It's uh, one generic blue-blue for an instant that has Metalcraft. Stoic Rebuttal costs one less to cast if you mm. control three or more artifacts, and it's counter-target spell. So it's literally Counterspell, but with the Metalcraft caveat on the front of it. Mm. And for my money, as you say, a lot of these you have to work harder to get your Counterspells off. But if you're playing a artifact-based deck in blue, which is incredibly easy, I use this in my Brudaclad Telcor Engineer deck, mm. then, yeah, it's just another Counterspell. And I don't think, <laughs> I don't think whenever I've cast this card, for the blue-blue cost, I've never cast it for three, I don't think anyone has ever got that salty at me, but I know plenty of EDH players that if you hard counterspell someone's thing with actual factual counterspell, mm. they you'll you'll get a raised eyebrow for some reason. And for some reason, Stoke Bottle doesn't fit that bill. Yeah. Also has a Vidalcan in the artwork, so if you right. want to do Vidalcan Tribal, yeah, you can do it there. Um, the other one that I'm going to drop in very quickly is Split Decision. Or is, this the, is this the Will of the Council one? This is Will of the Council. Yeah, so right, right. It's, uh, yeah, it's one and a blue for an instant. Will of the Council uh, is the ability. Choose target instant or sorcery spell. Starting with you, each player votes for denial or duplication. If denial gets more votes, counter the spell. If duplication gets more votes or the vote is tied, copy the spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. So first off the bat... It only hits instants and sorceries. Okay, so maybe it's more like a negate than a counter spell. But mm. if you're going for flavor, I mean, will of the councils. Anything that uses voting, anything which you use uh, decks that want to use kind of table interaction or deals or heavy politics. So I run this card in my Atris Oracle of Half Truths deck, mm. which is completely based around. It's it's kind of a it's a it's a group hug deck masquerading as a politics deck and vice versa. Did you say masquerading so, um, because because oh, she's got a mask and the t- you, you, your uh, accidental puns today have been fantastic. There we go. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so split decision and Stoker Bottle are also my two for the older counter spell alternatives. Mm, I guess Check we should out. have also probably mentioned Fueled for the Cause, the one where it proliferates as well, because that's actually kind of important for decks that you know like um, Super Friends decks or you know yeah. you know Simic decks. Yeah, yeah, basically that. There is there is there a lot more so interesting things many. out there. I think most stop running counterspell um, in your decks, <laughs> or run. There are so many different artworks for counterspell. It's not just the kind of blue mage one or the one where it's the the redheaded bearded wizard. Mm. There are so many artworks for counterspell, and some of them are crazy. So if you are going to run counterspell, make the flavor choice and run an artwork that you really yeah. enjoy. Well, yeah, do what I do and get a playset of white border ones for added salt. Oh, yum, delicious. Um, the white bordered one's one of my favourite ones. I really like the white bordered ones. I like white border cards in general, and that's going to be controversial with lost listeners to that. But it's fine, whatever, we're moving on. Um, signets. Um, this is going to be really dull and boring. I mean, the only problem with signets is they sit at 5th, 7th, 8th, 10th, 11th, and 12th. I'm not going to go through which ones of them they are. Um, weirdly enough, the one in the last two weeks that's most popular is the Boris one, 
which is one of the ones I thought would be the least popular. Even though, well, I, no, it's because Boris doesn't have any other ramp. I guess it? as well. Also, maybe like Zerda and decks like that. People are getting really popular with. Uh, anyway, beyond um, uh, interestingly enough, um, when do you think the first talisman is? Uh, I don't think it's going to be that high up. I think maybe like 50, 55? No, nah, 68. Ah. Which is crazy low. Um, mostly because I think that the thing about the signets is that, yes, they're automatic includes, but I, one, don't think they're as good as the talismans. Um, I think the idea of being able to get the mana the turn they come in um, is quite important. But also, the thing about signets is they kind of automatically have a flavor attributed to them, which means that it's kind of, it makes them automatically very generic. Sure, they they were you know, attributed to the Ramnica Guild exactly. very heavily. So you, yeah. you don't you might not want your Azorius deck to be attributed towards it. You don't want it might not be a Slayer. I don't care about Slezia fucking Slezia. Stupid Slezia, but it's the only signet you got. Sorry, you're tough tough, tough to ease. <laughs> you know? So that's one thing I think marks against it. Um there are a couple of them out there that are a little more interesting. Um one of them um most people will know is Felware Stone. Um, this one taps for any colour your opponent's lands can produce. In a four-way game, this often will just tap for five colours, but it's really important for decks like, say, um, I mean, I, I, I play my Scarabod deck because it steals a lot of cards out of other people's graveyards, but any deck that likes to steal things a lot, um, you might be seeing things that have activated abilities. So having things like Felware Stone and Exotic Orchard are really important to have a, a manner of the oppo- opponent's types. Um Corrupted um, Graphstone is an interesting one, though. Um, and I know I, when I first saw it, I knew it wasn't necessarily quote-unquote good but um two mana it enters the battlefield tapped um it's an artifact and you tap it to choose a color of a card in your graveyard and add one mana of that color to your mana pool now i like this not only because i like graveyard deck shock horror um but i also like the fact that it does uh, essentially can tap for it's in three or four color decks if you're doing something like say kethis or something where you want to run a load of really intensive mana costs and you want to use your graveyard this is perfect um it might not be the best because if you get bajuka bog because it doesn't do anything um, but it is another two-mana option, and it is from Innistrad. I, 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 the Innistrad aesthetic's really nice. Um, but yeah, I think it's one of those things of, obviously, if you do if you are playing a graveyard strategy, I think it, it, it's no worse than a Signet, um, and sometimes it's better than a Signet, mm-hmm. which I think is the only metric I can go by for these, because I've also got one that I think you'll like a little bit, and this is Fractured Power Stone. Um, two-mana oh, no. for an artifact, taps for a colorless, or you can tap to roll the play to die. Activates yep. his ability only any time you can cast a sorcery. Um, yep. The thing I like about this is that it mentions the Planar Die and it also mentions the Thran. Um, now, you, uh, the Thran learned to capture mana, but the power inevitably escapes its bonds. Now, anything that mentions the Thran gives me a little bit of the willies because we don't even know much about the Thran beyond, nope. you know, the Orgmorph. Um, but beyond that, like we don't even know. It's like if, if Yorgmoth's the only one of the Thran we know, I'd like to, like, I'd like to know more about them. Um, anything we get is more interesting. And anything that ref- refers to things like um, Planes Chase, especially for you and I, I know is a little bit. Um, a little bit more, a little bit more. Well, it's, one, it's one of our favourite ways to play EDH. That's yeah. for sure. And why would no one play with us? Um, because it, it takes too long. That's, I know. We, we'll people to, just want to swing with their creatures. I know. We'll have to do like sponsored um, plane chase nights where it's just one game for six hours. <laughs> um, so yeah, the only other one, other one I've got because signets. I say there are there are a few others that people know about things like Mindstone, you know, and Thought Vessel. People people know about these. They aren't that interesting. But Dowsing Dagger. Dowsing Dagger is really mm. interesting. Uh, two mana for an artifact equipment. Um, when it enters the battlefield, target opponent creates two zero two green plant creature tokens with defender. Um, it has yep. an equipped cost of two. The equipped creature gets plus two, plus one. Uh, when the equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, you transform Dowsing Dagger. Now, Dowsing Dagger transforms into Lost Veil, which taps for three mana of any one color. So as much as it isn't a mana rock in of itself, it's kind of better than a mana rock. 
because it not only has a little nice political gain at the beginning, if you give two plants off to someone to be nice to them, while you smack their friend over the head for two, um, but also the fact it permanently turns into a land much harder to interact with. This idea of exploration, like... What, what's the flavour of a signet, Andy, really? What do we? What do you do? Do you get a bit of red mana and you go, here, have some red mana? It goes, here, have some red and blue mana back. And you go, oh, cool, awesome. Saying that, that would actually be quite cool if you could just prism energy. <laughs> it's the idea that, you know, when a member of the guild sees their signet, then they get imbued with the power of their guild from pride or something. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Because I guess the idea is you're tapping into it. So they must have, like, power stone effects-ish. I mean, I'm not saying they're power stones by any way, shape, or form, but they must have, you know, magic within them. But yeah, this idea... Well, of I know that the, the, the Orzov signet is has a lot of flavour stapled onto it, because if it's tattooed onto... Uh, someone, then that means that they're a servant of the the Orzov. Whereas mm. if they're held as a pendant, it means they're a master or like a, an elite in the Orzov. So there is that dynamic I know of Orzov signet. But some of them, yeah, some of them are a little bit flaky. It must be. Yeah, said. and I guess once you're looking at like clue stones and all of these nonsense, it starts to get a bit more diluted. Um, whereas, Don't get me started on clue yeah, stones. Yeah, clue whereas Dowsing Dagger is fantastic. They're going to have a search for some lands, you know, and we find you had to hack down some plants to get there. And once you get through the plants, you find the Lost Veil. Uh, the flavour to, to all of the... Uh, I love flip cards. I mean, we've, we've done we've done to death on transform cards, but we could probably do more. I love the Excellent flip cards a lot. But this is a really nice, um, yeah, random two-mana artifact that does ramp you that you wouldn't necessarily see. If you do play an equipment deck or you play a deck with a, 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 low, a low commander cost, um, then yeah, this is a really good option. Sure. Um, so we're finally getting towards cards that actually have some some favour to, to kind of pick apart a little bit. I know that sounds kind of like p- p- pushing everything we've said before offside a little bit, but this is where I started to get into cards that I was like oh okay finally we're not looking it's like I'm not gonna say the word staples because this cyclonic rift is a staple but cyclonic rift is a style of card that you can do a lot of different kind of you can look at a varying a varying different types of it without it just being this is also a mana rock and this is also a counter spell um so cyclonic rift obviously is known for being super 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 salty um the thing about it I like is because it's so ubiquitous it's you don't feel too bad about replacing it with something worse um, you might not necessarily go and buy another one, not only because it costs other thirty pounds, but you're like, do I want another Psych Rift and another deck? Um, it's just uh, it's just being reprinted in Double Masters. Yeah, that's no, there's gonna, a lot of things. Being, this video. There's gonna be a lot of things that are in Double Masters though that are really interesting in terms of reprints. I think that they've done a good job of providing another option for people to get things, even if the price is still ridiculously hefty. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the obvious um, one that people will know about, um, obviously Command um, Game Knights did this, uh, or had this card featured quite prominently in one of their games, was River's Rebuke. Um, four blue-blue, return all non... All, sorry, sorcery, which is important. Uh, four blue-blue for a sorcery, return all non-land permanents, target player controls to their owner's hands. Now, this is mean, but the reason I like this is because it's an anti-cyclonic rift. Instead of it being like, screw everyone else's stuff apart from me, you go, no, 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 screw this one person individually. Like this mm-hmm. person, this one person specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I like that is not only do you have um, Ixlan being shown, and I, again, I don't know what it is about Ixlan, but I loved, I loved the merfolk theme to them. Um, very interesting the way that they... Well, again, merfolk is is quite a, a lauded tribe. And in Ixlan, we got quite a few good merfolk commanders. Yeah. So... And their aesthetic was great. Yeah, very cool cards. Yeah, I mean, I also think that, like, looking back even at the OG evacuation, there's something quite... I like the kind of feeling of where you suck the entire battlefield up. And the thing about evacuation is one of the, art, the artwork has, like, these hands that are kind of scooping all of these play pieces back up into into the ether. Now, that's a really, really cool idea. Like, I think flavor, flavorfully-wise, Psychonic Crypt has never really felt... I do... Yes, it's a lightning tornado, I get it. But it doesn't feel very mystical, you know? It feels more... I don't know. I don't, I don't know something it feels more about elemental. It, it feels yeah. more visceral. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I don't know something about the the wizardry side of evacuation that kind of makes me feel a little bit. I mean, I, I do understand, and we are going to be looking at a lot more um, 
kind of weathery based ones. Um, and like the next one is a prime example, Crush of Tentacles. Uh, Crush of Tentacles sure. for blue, blue for a sorcery. And again, the big caveat for these is a lot of them aren't going to be instant. That part of what makes the Cyclonic Rift, Cyclonic Rift and the staple is that nothing else quite does what it does. Seven mana, end of turn, boom, I win the next turn. Fantastic, beautiful. These don't do that as much. That's probably a good thing because there is a less like amount of salt that kind of comes your way. You might not piss everyone off as much, but that doesn't mean they're going to always serve the same function um, or do, be able to do the same kind of thing that it does. Um, saying yeah. that, Crush of Tentacles does give you a bit of an advantage. Um, it's a four blue, blue sorcery. Return all non-land permanents to their owner's hands. Um, but if you pay it for its surge cost, which is three blue, blue, um, you may cast it for the surge cost if your teammate, well, it'll be yourself, um, um, if you've cast another spell this turn. Um, and if you have played it for its surge cost, you get eight, eight blue octopus creature token onto the battlefield after everything's already been sucked up. So it kind mm-hmm. of gives you an opportunity to, again, kind of like River's Rebuke, if there is one person that's really ahead, um, you've not only set, re- you know, like um, set reset the battlefield, but you also get to keep smacking them now with an eight eight, um, which will probably kill them pretty quickly if they don't do something about it. Um, so that's a nice idea of like it's not quite I've got everything, none of you have every anything. It's that well, no one really has anything except I've got an octopus. Any decks that are playing sort of sea creatures, like so, Thassa decks are very popular for this idea that people want to play, you know, big sea creatures, krakens, octopus, all that kind of thing. Um, people sometimes people play Kiora, any of the Kiora planeswalkers as their commander, even if it's not Oathbreaker or something like that, because you know they want to be playing these sea creature decks. Um, so yeah, r- uh, this one, Crusher Tentacles, is definitely better for those those kinds of aesthetics than anything like Cyclonic Rift. Um, so yeah. Similar fashion, obviously, most people know Whelming Wave. Um, it's the one that bounces every non-Leviathan, Kraken, Serpent, Sea God, Creature, whatever thing, Fish. Um, it's that one. There's also, however, Engulf the Shore. Three and a blue for an instant. So this is nice and cheap. We're getting back towards, like, we're getting to a territory that's quite nice and cheap. Uh, return all um, return to their owner's hands, all creatures with toughness less or equal to the number of islands you control. Uh, now, this similarly would play in the similar kind of decks of big sea creatures. If you've got like a Nazahal deck or something like that, that you will basically be resetting the entire board. This is only of creatures. So again, like you're not quite, it's not exactly the same kind of thing. Um, but this idea of being able to reset the whole board whilst leaving all of your big sea monsters um, behind is very flavorful. Um, this, the artwork uh, by Cliff Childs is very, it's got a great, it's got this cracking in the waves. It's coming over the top of this um, lighthouse and you've got all the tentacles in the background. It looks almost like Marit Large. That's great. Fantastic. Um, if but, you're playing something like a Voltron deck, you only really want to get rid of people's creatures, right? Precisely, exactly. Yeah. If you're playing Mono Blue Voltron as well, then that's an also super niche. And the fact that this fits in even... It's almost like this card is like tailor-made for it. If you play like something like Bruner or something like that even. Um, kind of in the similar vein of like um, secret C-, C kind of things. This is back at another Merfolk one. This is um, from Morning Tide. Oh, sorry, Eventide. Uh, this is Inundate. Three blue, blue, blue for a sorcery. Return all non-blue creatures to their owner's hands. Um, this is similar to like say mass calcify which is like all non-white creatures are destroyed and you play it and you can kind of get a massive advantage off of it but um, this is quite nice again to see the merfolk but a very different kind of merfolk if you're like playing something like Sieg with River, River Guide um, or any of the other kind of like Lorwini, uh, more Lorwini kind of merfolk which do look very different to Ixalani they more um, like, they look more like classic Mero than exactly they, yeah they yeah, don't yeah, have yeah. they don't have legs um, they they look a little bit more cutthroat um, obviously Sig is literally a river cutthroat um, he is yeah. when he's Lorwyn guy yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, sorry Sta- Shadowmore Shadowmore guy yeah um, but yeah so for years the land folk have emptied their refuse into the waters it's time to return the favor so if you want to play a recycling <laughs> deck or like a, an environmental friendly deck this is perfect for you this is literally a merfolk chucking their rubbish back at them beautiful <laughs> love it um i think the only other one i've got and this is um, an interesting one because it's not an instant or sorcery um is Kederic leviathan um oh yeah 
Six blue blue um, for a creature Leviathan 5-5. Five, five. When it enters the battlefields, return all other non-land permanents to their owner's hands. And it has unearthed for six and a blue. Good God, this is a chunky boy. Um, I played this originally, I think, in... Um, I tried to play it in Tulane before I, um, you know, trimmed trimmed it down to some obnoxious thing. But I've, I've done it in a few other decks which like to have um, graveyard um, shenanigans and mill shenanigans because the thing about an eight-mana 5-5 five, five that bounces everything and leaves itself behind is quite good. The fact that if you kill it and then everyone kind of might forget about it a little bit. Most people don't know about the Unearth and then suddenly out of nowhere you go, yeah, seven mana, I'm just going to do it again after everyone's set up the turn after. Oh my God. Oh God, it's annoying. Um, and also, I like a lot of these cards all kind of do that that big sea creature kind of flavor theme. Um, even though, say, Nakedrit Leviathan has more lightning in the back of its artwork than I think it has any right in doing so. That does not make any amount of um, meteorological sense. But yeah, mm. who's calling out weather in, in Grixith, apparently, you know. But yeah, anyway, so yeah, as a creature option, if you wanted to, again, like if you wanted one of your sea creatures to be able to, um, if you didn't want to say play instant or sorceries, whatever, if you wanted a dude that you can search up, um, to have the same effects does the same kind of thing um again i like i just like this idea of, of this fuck off enormous thing just breaching the surface washing everything away dying and then it just coming back again as a zombie i think that's fantastic yeah very um, cool but yeah as again cyclonic rift is a difficult one because again it fits a certain niche the fact it's also modal just pushes it over the top the fact you could just two mana just do it to one thing is just so so obnoxious and it feels even there's even something worse about someone going hey you know what's worth me using two mana of, of, <laughs> and a cyclonic rift on douching your one specific thing over i don't know how that feels worse than them overloading it but somehow it does so yeah make, play play these ones don't make people feel like you're being as much of a douchebag anymore you know if, if that's your concern <laughs> okay moving on uh we've got beast within beast within Nice. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. This, this breaks the game. Um, I can't do this one. Like, how do you do flavor alternatives to a card that literally breaks the color pie and doesn't have many, very many? <laughs> like, there's so few things that do anything even close to Beast Within within green. Um, the few that I could find were things like Desert Twister, uh, which is a six mana sorcery version that doesn't give them a 3 3. Um, it's expensive. I mean, the thing, one thing I will say with a caveat, and I'm going to say this about a couple of cards in a second as well, is that green has an ability to make mana more than any other color. So the fact it's six mana isn't quite as backbreaking. The fact it's six mana and a sorcery kind of is. Um, the thing I'm going to look at after that is a scour from existence, seven mana, colorless, instant, exile, target, permanent. Nice and simple. You would think, but that's that's way more expensive than Beast Within. How is that? How is that close to being the same thing? It's like, well, realistically, green can make a buck ton of mana, and if you are playing big Eldrazi, which you will likely be doing in a green deck like I have, then you want something that's going to feel what your removal spells to feel Eldrazi-like. And if green's not going to offer you very many removal beyond Beast Within, which is kind of weird flavor-wise from an Eldrazi point of view, because that's not really what they do. Whereas Scour from Existence, oh, hell yeah, that's, that's the kind of thing the Eldrazi do. You've also got uh, Spine of Ishsar. The reason I put this in is because, again, seven mana, you're in green, super easy to get out, destroys things very easily and comfortably. Um, and also you're probably playing green, which means you could probably destroy artifacts pretty easily, get a cycle effect back into your hand. No one expects uh, the green deck to cycle uh, Spider Vishsa rather than, say, like the Doretti deck. Um, so, yeah, these are two well, options. Oh, yeah, but you I have think. commanders like Gliss of the Traitor. Gliss of the Traitor would be a perfect one for something like Spider Vishsa. Um, so, yeah, you wouldn't necessarily want Beast Within. Spider Vishsa is going to fit your flavor a lot better. Yeah, so the only other one, so this, the other one that I could think was like really nice and flavorful um, is Root Grapple. Um, now Root Grapple is a tribal instant tree folk shockingly a lot of the ones that we've seen for like instants and sorceries that are more flavorful are tribal this is part of the reason I think it's a shame we might not see it back um, is because I do feel like it layers on a certain um, aesthetic to, to effects that we wouldn't otherwise see um, it's four out of green uh, for, 
to destroy target non-creature permanent. If you control a tree folk, draw a card. Now, obviously, if you're playing something like Doran, um, or if you're playing um, uh, the Sapling of Colfina or something like that, any any tree folk commander, if you happen to be, uh, or if you're playing a tree folk heavy theme deck, you're playing, uh, you know, um, Arcades Walls or anything like that, um, the extra draw card is fantastic. The ability to be able to search it out, because um, there are a few cards that obviously can search um, out their own tribes, and there are a few things like uh, Tree Folk Harbinger that will be able to get this out. Um, the fact it's an instant, um, no, it doesn't hit creatures, but green can kind of handle creatures okay. So the fact that it can kind of get around that, I mean, there are other effects within green that do this, of where they could just destroy any any old thing as long as it's not a creature. But, I mean, in terms of flavorful things, if you're playing um, Tree Folks, you probably don't care about dudes, because dudes are just going to hit your big butts and not really care, like, you know. So you probably only really care about the fact that it's hitting non-creatures, and at that point, it seems like a slam dunk. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, then they start to get a bit more interesting. Um, Chain of Acid is a really interesting one. Three and a green for a sorcery. Destroy target non-creature permanent. Then that permanence controller may copy this spell and may choose a new target for that copy. Now, all I've written after this is, let's go! Because um, <laughs> in a four-way game, if there's a bunch of stuff on the battlefield that a bunch of people don't like, and you're, or you're having really a really ratty game and everyone's really getting each other, you put down a chain of acid and you just watch the fun. Because you go, right, I'm going to kill that thing. And they go, right, fine, well, I'm going to kill that thing. And you go, right, fine, well, I'm going to go and kill your thing. And they go, well, I'm going to go and kill that guy's thing. And he's going, well, I don't want anyone to have it, so he's going to kill that. Ah, oh, beautiful. Now, that might not necessarily be a flavorful thing. Um, the art by Ron Spencer, by the way, is amazing. I don't know what the hell's going on it. There's some weird lightning elemental thing going on between two um, between two elves and a, and, a, and a goblin in Ron Spencer's amazing way of doing goblins with their bloodshot eyes. Um, it might not be the most flavorful, but you tell me the flavor of Beast Within and tell me Chain of Acid doesn't kind of have a similar aesthetic. Well, I think also it's not just the the, the aesthetic of the artwork. Anything again, this is this might as well be something like Quill of the Councils or you know Councils Judgment. It's that similar kind of votey, everyone gets involved mm. aspect. So any commanders, for example, that are in green that have that thing. So Kethis the Hidden Hand is one which his whole uh, character breakdown mm. is that he pulls the strings and he's the kind of puppet master politically behind you know the goings on around him so this is very much you role-playing that idea it's you destroying someone else's thing and then watching all the dominoes fall with everyone else starting mm -hmm. to eat each other so i think yeah this is this is a very good one i mean it's a little bit steep at four mana but again none of these are, are there for their like efficient mana costs no, exactly. And the fact that it can kill up, well, it could kill basically, it could kill everything on the board if you had the right setup. It's kind of like Massacre Girl, like in the right circumstances could do a lot of work. Um, the only other one I've got for Beast Within, because it is such a weird niche to kind of find analogues for, is um, Song of the Dryads. Um, now, this feels way more in keeping with Green's flavour and way of dealing with things. Uh, Beast Within, I kind of understand this idea. I mean, looking at something like, say, Rapid Hybridization or Pongify, like that idea of transmorphication. Like, that I understand the process of, but I don't think it works within Grease Colour Pie, which is kind of what Beast Within is showing. You know, you're reverting to your primal nature, I get that. But Song of the Dryad seems way more likely. It's two and a green for an enchantment aura. Enchant permanent. Enchanted permanent is a colourless forest land. Um, this idea of um, the person being claimed by the forest. Um, I mean, the flavour text is prime for this. Uh, Few who encounter the strange human-like grove leave once the lilting chorus of the dryads reaches their ears. And this idea of being like this, these wood sirens, um, this idea of going to the forest, falling asleep under the wrong tree and never waking up again, um, is something that is apparent in a lot of like uh, fairy tales um, within um, English um, or British or even European folklore. Um, but this just feels, I don't know, the aesthetic of this feels so much more green than Beast Within does to me. Um, it's very similar to Lingerfire as well. Yeah, exactly. Lingerfire, um, a 
That's only affects uh, creatures, turns them into a zero four defender. Um, that's another tribal instant. Shockingly, Nathan likes tribal instant. Um, sorry, tri- tribal card. It's a tribal enchantment. But yeah, I think the funny thing about this card though is that I have it. Whenever I give this deck to, play, to players as I'm teaching them how to play, they never look at it as a removal spell. They always look at it as a way to give themselves another land, which you can do obviously if you are super super desperate. You can always you know chuck it on a random token. Or you can turn your token into a forest or whatever. But it is an interesting theory where it doesn't feel necessarily like a removal spell flavor wise. But when you realize how strong it is as a flavor as, as a removal spell, that's why I think it feels more green. So I think yeah, if you're going for flavor wise and you want to feel more you know close to your inner nature, don't go for Beast Within. Go for Song of the Dryads. So, so now um, next we've got Steve. Um, good old Steve. For those that aren't <laughs> that don't know, Steve is Sakura Tribe Elder. Sure. Um, and now he is the staples of staples. I've also only just realised as we've as we've as we've got to Steve, it's like a lot of these are green. <laughs> um, shockingly, obviously, green is the most popular colour in in Commander. But obviously, then the cards that are in green are going to be more staples. So, I mean, I guess this is an interesting way to look at the most popular colours, most popular effects, and find the least popular versions of those popular effects. If you know what I mean. Steve being a really difficult one, because Steve is the tried and tested, proven best boy around. However, however, he's just because he's super efficient and he is the best at doing what he's doing doesn't mean he's the only one who does it or is the only one who can do it efficiently. Um, and also, let's let's be real. He's a snake person. Do you know what I mean? Like, there, yeah. there are some, how many decks other than snake tribal want snake creatures if you want to go for a tribal deck or if you want to go for a very specific aesthetic unfortunately secure tribe elder either the promo art which is now not not so much promo or the original art just doesn't really cut i it don't like either of them to be fair i'm not a big fan of either i not don't mind dynamic. either of them it's just it's just very it's very mm. much that card yeah. you know whereas See, i prefer yavamaya elder's artwork way more than secure tribe elder for example because it's just like oh he's got a weird druidy thing and he's got a, 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 a wolf and a bird and stuff in his hair like you know that seems that seems <laughs> way more interesting and snake boy old snake boy old snake boy. <laughs> um so the the easiest one i had to find um and this is an odd I mean, this i know I said strict upgrades and downgrades don't really exist but this is kind of both um dawn treader elk one and a green um it's a two two creature elk um pay one mana sacrifice dawn treader elk to search your library for a basic land card put it onto the battlefield tapped then shuffle your library so the same kind of thing that secure tribal order does except for a two two not a one one you have to pay a mana instead of it being free now, the reason I bring this up is because not only is an elk way more typical of a forest, but it's John Avon, um, John, John Avon artwork, and it is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Um, so as you were saying about the artwork of Secure Tribe, if you're, if you're sick and tired of looking at Steve, looking at you, looking at him, looking at you, get Dawn Treader elk. Um, <laughs> the reason I say this, well, I, I might change it over um, from Diligent Farmhand, which is another option we'll talk about in a second, because I've got one in um, I've got one in Merrin. I think just looking at the artwork, I think Dawn Treader elk is really, really, really pretty. Um, yeah, if you're doing a woodland critter kind of theme, it fits it much nicer. If you're doing even like a new Kenrith, like a like a like, you know the hunt, even a hunting party decks. I mean, there are loads of little like flavor niche decks that this can fit into significantly better than Old Snake Boy. Um, mm. The most interesting one I could find for Sakura Tribe Elder um, was Avenging Druid. Um, it's a little bit different, but you'll kind of see why I think it's good in a second. It's two and a green for a one three. When it deals damage to any opponent. Um, you may reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a land card. You put that land into play and put all other revealed cards into your graveyard. Now, is it the same mana cost? No. Does it sacrifice itself to be able to get yourself a land at instant speed? No. Does it have to be engaged in combat to get you a land? Yeah. But does it get you any land? Yes. Does it come into play <laughs> untapped? 
Yes. And does all of the other cards when you're probably wanting your dude in the graveyard anyway, do they all go into the graveyard as well? Yes, they do. Yum, yum, yum. This card is, have I never seen this card before? It's crazy. I mean, I know it's Old Exodus. Border as well. Yeah, yeah Darren Bader. Yeah, Darren Bader. Really, really cool artwork. Really nuanced. And it does a lot of things. Like, imagine playing this in, like, say, a Moldrutha deck. Are you, like, you end up flipping over, like, six or seven cards before you hit any land. Like, it's kind of like Hermit Druid a little bit. Like, and as a, as a 1-3 the... as well, seeing as it's a 1-3, yeah. it's decks like Doran the Siege yeah. Tower or exactly. whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And it's Druid as well. Could get Druid decks very easily. The fact it can mm-hmm. get into any... It just does It does something that green doesn't normally... You don't really see these kinds of effects. And this is the only type of this effect I've ever seen. And because of that, there will be a place for it to go. Like, Sakura Tribelder is the same as any other thing, but there are loads of other ones that are worse. So that's why Sakura Tribelder is the best option. With a card like this, no, it's not Sakura Tribelder by any stretch of the imagination, but nothing else is like this. Any deck which Sakura Tribelder super excels, like reanimator decks or like graveyard strategies or sacrifice effects, mm. Avenging Druid's going to be good in that deck as well, right? Like, mm. yeah. I mean, obviously they're going to serve ever so slightly different functions, but again, like you're doing all the same things. It's all lands, graveyards. I mean, there are ways to make this better. Um, even if it is on a, you know, the floor is technically what, you know, quote unquote worse. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's a really good example. Another one that I think is really nice, um, Veteran Explorer. Um, it's a single green for a creature, Human Soldier Scout. It's got the three, the trifecta in there. And um, when it's pinned to the graveyard from the battlefield, each player may search their library for up to two basic land cards, put them onto the battlefield. Then each player shuffle, search their library shuffles it. Um, and it's a one, one. Now, Yes, okay, I get that giving your opponent's lands isn't necessarily that good, but um, I've played this in decks like uh, Mouse from Wanderer to great effect. The fact it gets two basic land cards into play untapped is fantastic. The fact it's a human, a soldier, and a scout, in case you are doing scout tribal. If you are doing scout tribal, you you play this card because there are maybe like eight of them. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, the fact it's got a triple creature type is amazing. Uh, David A. Cherry's artwork um, is the original. Um, it's actually weirdly enough seen the three different iterations of border. It's got like the old school border, the newish school border, you know, like around like 2010 time. And then it has an, a reprinting with the like the black bit at the bottom that came back in. Sure. Um, as well as the, having... the, the most recent one is uh, from Battle Bond, right? Yeah, so exactly. The, yeah. And then you've got the art, the new artwork version. So you've actually got a full playset you could do with all, each one being different um, if you, for whatever reason, wanted to. But yeah, it's really nice, really cool artwork, really cool effect. Um, again, slightly different. Uh, the reason I like this as well, though, is because Screw Tribe Builder can't satisfy a sacrifice ability and getting a land. I thought about this about Viridian Emissary as well, which is one and a green for a 2-1 of when it dies, you search your library for a basic land, put it into play tapped. With a deck that wants your creatures to be dying, it might want to be causing them to die and then getting the effects so you get multiple mm. effects rather than secure a tribe builder that it can only sacrifice itself for a land or be sacrificed for whatever other effect, you know? So it might be that you really want things like, um, it's not that you don't care about the death trigger, you care about sacrificing it to another card, say like Ashnod's Altar or something like that. And you will not only get the mana from the Ashnod's Altar, but you'll also be getting the mana from the uh, from the Viridian Emissary or from sure. the Veteran Explorer. Sure. Well, I mean, I think also Sakura Tribelder. So, I mean, obviously, it couldn't fit. It couldn't fit into a Taser Karlov deck because Taser Karlov's black white. But if Taser Karlov is in a deck that also has green in it, because there are Abzan, um, you know, Death Matters decks, mm. it, the Death Trigger will double up. Whereas Sakura Tribelder is the sacrifice is part of the cost. So things like that won't double up, for example. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it all depends on your tailored needs. And these are maybe some of the times when you might think, oh, I wish I wish my Sakura Tribal just did this other thing. And you've actually got, you've, you've got options out there. You know, there are other ways to take advantage and flex a little bit. Yes, these are the most efficient things. But also you've got to think that these are also the most obvious. If someone's just flashing a deck together, um, they're going to instantly go, right, what do I need? I can need some ramp spells. So, okay, right, chuck a Kadama's Reach, chuck a Cultivate. They obviously probably put rampant growth in. And before they've even thought about it, 
that because they're just doing you know throwing a random deck up because this this you know edh rec does take a lot of decks in that are people's whims you know they're just little things they throw out there every now and again they're not doing it to be attuned or or a tailored deck necessarily so there is a pinch of you know, there's there's a pinch of salt to be taken with this. Um, and it is, you know, there is a shame that a lot of the cards do fall into being ramp cards. But as I say, um, as we do more of these, uh, we will get into more interesting, more nuanced cards um, that will take me much longer to find the more interesting versions of. Um, sure. But yeah, as, as a drive-by, I mean, obviously ramp is good and counter spells are good and stuff, but I mean, doesn't stop you from being adventurous. Yeah, sure. And it, it definitely doesn't stop people from building decks, again, as we said earlier, that that don't work quote unquote like you know do push your boundaries when you're building a, mm. a like edh deck a good way to do it is to build a deck how you would build it like with all the most sort of staple best cards so put your counter spells in put your rampant growths in whatever else and then just go through every card and if you want to scale back your power or if you want to you know bend it to be a werewolf tribal deck or you know like a sea monsters tribal or everyone in the in the decks wearing a hat or whatever the hell you're doing you can go through each card and just go on together or, or use this resource or whatever resource mm-hmm. or whatever else or scryfall and just see what the alternatives are and if the card mm. still does the same thing but it's you know more of a mana cost or there are more hoops to jump through it still mm. does the same thing and your deck will function you know, exactly. just pick just pick the right table to sit down at. Don't sit right. down against someone who's playing a Narset deck or a Zerdi in charge of Doomsday deck. Like, you yeah. know, just pick, pick your tables. And the process for this wasn't actually too bad. Like, it was actually, all it was was either I went onto Scryfall, put the same words in, whether, like, obviously for counter spell, just put counter target spell into the Oracle and it brought me up all of them. But even if things like return and hands, you can put, like, little key signifiers like that. Otherwise, I also went on for a couple of things and went, what are other people using for this? And so what people said, and obviously people had a list of all of their alternatives, their quirky cards, their I know better than you kind of um, advice, which sometimes is very good. So these resources are out there to help you diversify. So don't Mm. feel like it's too scary um, to stray from the path if you get a pre-con deck and you're like, I don't know what to do with it. Just, yeah, it's fine. doesn't, it's all a process. It's all a process. Exactly. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us for this installment of Flavorful Alternatives to Commander Staples. As Nathan said, we will be doing more of these in the future where we will be covering all sorts of different cards. And uh, we may, our kind of tastes may change as well. So today we did a very heavy, like, mechanical alternatives thing because that's kind of where we're going and, and picking out flavor. Plus, staples from. are really hard to not. Staples are hard, to... right? Yeah. But, you know, but so- sometimes you might uh, tune into these and we might be talking almost exclusively about different arts you can use or whether if you're trying to go for a certain aesthetic you can do like which way or another um if you are listening to this as the audio version of the podcast wherever you get your podcasts uh do check out our youtube channel magic the flavoring where we're posting up cracker pack videos we're converting our interview videos and we'll be putting up episodes like this into video form so if you want to re-listen to this and also have the visuals go check it out if you are listen, if you are watching this on youtube now don't forget to hit that like <laughs> button share this with your friends as well and subscriptions are always welcome so hit that sub button oh god we're all multimedia now aren't we this we're all weird. multimedia mate yeah we've got more stuff going on <laughs> I was um, like, oh, shit, yeah of course this is youtube now wow <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to hit us up on twitter guys where we do daily twitter discussions and engage with the larger magic community on that social media channel uh you can hit us up at mt flavoring my personal twitter is at andy manface nathan's yours is at the fox in the moon emails go to uh mt flavoring at gmail.com nathan do you have any final words for this episode 
No, no, thank you for listening to us rattle through a lot of cards very quickly. I know we do have a habit of doing that sometimes. But otherwise, <laughs> nah, all, all, all good, all good. Happy Fantastic. days, live well. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, uh, the last word that I'll say is that whilst we've been doing lots of staple cards, basic lands are also very important. So always remember as well to look after your basic lands because they'll love you back too. Other than that, guys, thank you so much for listening. This has been Magic the Flavoring. We'll see you soon. Thank you.